Welcome to Feeling Asian, a podcast where two Asians talk about their feelings. I'm Young Me Mayor. And I'm Brian Park. And how many times am I, do I have left? Maybe three times saying that? Three or four more times. We, we just <laughs> made the public announcement to the listeners that we're ending the pod on November 16th. Wow. You know what I was thinking, Brian? I think we should have a party. I'm down. Right? What if we I just, just said or- no? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, God, Brian's going to say no. No, just oh, or we God. can even like just assign a time and go to like a big open bar like sort of place and people can just come. You know what I mean? Like one of those like beer halls or something in Brooklyn. Yeah, let's do it at Spritzen House or something. <laughs> I don't know. I know that's a really. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. We'll just do a big Spritzen beer garden. House. Spritzen House. Okay, listeners, if you're based in New York, Young Me and I, we're going to do one last hurrah in December. So come hang out then. Yeah, let's do December. No? Why not just the last week? No? Before the holidays? Oh, true. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it we'll out figure and we'll let out. you know on the pod. <laughs> I like how en- we, we, yeah. have a, we fully have a guest waiting to hop onto the podcast and we're just doing planning right now. <laughs> I know. Well, I should have maybe... I have, some, I have some ideas. <gasps> oh, you do? I do. Wait, let, okay. let's, can we introduce you and then you can give us your yeah. ideas? So Why that don't you people, introduce people me know? and I will give you guys okay. some ideas. Okay, okay. Let's, okay listeners. <laughs> so we asked our guest for a title or we asked them how they would like to be introduced on the podcast and they deferred to us and then they're going to critique our introduction. So listeners, your guest this week is a fashion influencer slash icon fashion icon. Um, They're just very big on social media and in the fashion world. Let's leave it at that. Model. Uh, fashion entrepreneur. entrepreneur media expert uh, media, media consultant expert. C- creative director listeners give your ears to vanessa hong hi <laughs> how did we do hi vanessa hi um yeah you touched all the bases i like that um i what are you yeah hmm? well, i was gonna say like what are your thoughts term... on the word influencer right okay what so do you think about that i think like so when I started um, some like some back, so I'm like an OG, OG, even before influencers were, do you guys remember blogs? Yes. Oh, yeah. Brian, <laughs> there was hey. a pause. <laughs> no, I know. I know blogs. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I like, I started a blog um, like 10 mm. years ago because I, right. I mean, of course, I mean, I guess I'm kind of a stereotypical Asian. I was pre-med in school. Mm. So I have a degree in biochemistry and genetics. And at my first job. Do you really? Yeah, Yeah, I was a pre-med and I have a biochem degree. No way. Yeah. How did I not know that? I don't even know what that means. And I've listened to all of your podcasts. (laughs) Brian only brings it up like every three seconds. How did you miss that? Really? I only only have three stories. And one of them is that I was a (laughs) pre-med. Yeah, so I, I so I started a blog at my first job um, out of school, um, and so we were called bloggers back in the day, and like now right. it's developed into like influencers. And I think like the reason why a lot of people, I mean, celebrities are considered like Kim Kardashian is like basically the biggest influencer on the planet, and I think a lot of people yeah. are kind of cringy about it because I mean there are a lot of people who take their their jobs very seriously, and we kind of get grouped all into the same um 
bubble of people. And Mm -hmm. I think it can be frustrating for some people uh, to be just reduced to that label. So for me, when I, it, I think like I usually just tell people, well, I, um, I help brands tell stories and Mm. I do a lot of things, you know, like I have a podcast as well that I haven't been recording for like in two years, but, um, I help brands, uh, develop, uh, collections. I work with brands, you know, like I do modely kind of stuff as well. So I do a lot of different things and I guess, yeah, like at the end of the day, it is, I do things that carry influence. So I guess maybe that's a way to, um, to label me. Mm. Right. But overall you seem pretty comfortable though. To comfortable with the term. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think also it's like when people get to know me, then they start seeing like all of these things, these other things that I'm doing. And Mm -hmm. I think in, just in the world that we live in, like in general, people always want to put people in boxes, right? So I understand Mm. it's a very like instinctual human thing to categorize people because when you put people in boxes, then you're like, okay, you do this, you do this. And it generally makes people feel more comfortable. And I mean, Mm. nowadays when we live in a world where people do multiple things, I think a lot of people have a hard time understanding that. So if it makes someone feel more comfortable right. to be like, oh, this is my job, then fine, you know, doesn't bother me. Yeah, that's a really good point. Cause like the influencer umbrella, like really encompasses a lot of different jobs. And I think one of the jobs that people don't really talk about is what you touched on. You're like a storyteller and you help brands create stories. Cause that's like, it's like a personal story. And that like, I think, you know, in this day and age, people understand how, how much value that has. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to go back to the question up top, Vanessa, the for party. the feeling Asian brand, what, what what's a good story to end on? What are your suggestions? Oh my God. So I, first of all, <laughs> I think a beer hall is maybe, off-brand. I don't know if that's a little off brand <laughs> because like beer hall to me reads very white. And yes. I mean, the podcast is called Feeling Asian. Um, true. And these are all true facts. So facts, I was thinking, facts. so I was thinking you guys should like do a collaboration, um, with like, I don't know, like a Chinese restaurant or like with some oh. sort of like Asian restaurant, you know, those like big Asian, like dining halls in Chinatown, yeah. like yeah. there's one, um, like with like the karaoke screens and whatnot, nice. you guys should do a collaboration a with one of those. And like, um, cause they're open all night as well. They're right, like 24 right, right. hours. There's like a 24 hour dim sum spot. So do that and like, get like, I don't know, like alcohol sponsors and nice get to get, cause there's like a whole organization in Chinatown as well. Right. Like maybe yeah. like work with them yeah. and have like some sort of like charitable aspect to the event, like have people maybe like pay to come and like all proceeds go towards like a charity that you know the two of you really feel passionate about yeah Um, so you're talking about like a full-blown event but i feel like brian and i mm, are like you just want to show show up up and there's gonna be pretzels and also the also just just imagine this vanessa like a gang of fucking asian a mob of asians just just storming a beer hall out of nowhere (laughs) Like we would, we would fuck would their be, shit up. That would be pretty badass. 
right? Mm-hmm. They would get uh, scared. They, they would get very scared. The whites I mean, would get would scared. They? But Bonus the points. whites get scared? Or horny. <laughs> or just like confused. Or both. <laughs> horny and scared. That's my, that's my, uh, that's my MO. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I feel like, I definitely feel like you are on the nose there. We should definitely get like, also, it's nice to support Asian businesses, obviously. That's a good idea, Vanessa. Exactly. Maybe we so should look into like... we gotta have um, Chanel sponsor the, the most Asian brand out there. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> support small businesses like <laughs> Chanel. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but um, that was... Uh, wow. See? That was beautiful. In a matter of two minutes, we went from beer hall to full-blown Asian event. Liquor sponsors. <laughs> I'm sure that a lot of people will want to sponsor that event. We can get those lunar seltzers that I'm a huge fan of. Look at me just dropping the names for free. I got to be like Vanessa and charge for this. You need I love to get lunar as, you hard need to get seltzers. as many free things as possible. You got to like really harness <laughs> your like Asian okay. auntie like inside yeah. and just be like uh-huh. looking for specials and looking for free things. Like that hustle is- energy. Wow. Yeah, I, I feel that. I think we could do that, We're getting we a crash course in the art of the deal right here. Let's go. I'm yeah. done. Who doesn't, who doesn't love a great deal? <laughs> who doesn't love free stuff? Everyone loves free stuff. Come on. Yes. Um, well, Vanessa, you know, you know, as an avid listener of the podcast, we like to kick things off by asking each other how we feel. So, young me, how are you feeling? Um, I'm feeling super tired right now just because I like did a lot of work this morning. I dropped Mino off at fucking 8 fucking 20 a.m you know i have to wake up at 6 30 <laughs> i dropped him off and then i came home and did a bunch of work i want to say i don't know if like these are things that i'm can say out loud or maybe i shouldn't just because like what if it falls through but i i i just submitted a book proposal and i just did that and so now let's go congratulations I don't know if we if we even want to say that because who knows if it's like hypothetically hypothetically you submitted a book proposal. (laughs) Yes, this might be I might be lying, but um, (laughs) so let's say I submitted a book proposal, so I feel very drained, and now I'm like, and I I've been like funneling a lot of attention and work into that project, and I think it's especially probably to combat the fact that this one's coming to an end and obviously there's Mm -hmm, lots mm -hmm. of sad emotions around that and it's probably to keep myself busy from really having to process but i'm sure you know the emotions will come um you know i i just posted on my instagram that we are ending the podcast and i did anticipate a lot of people that you know we're gonna send nice messages and be sad but i i feel like the the number of those messages is like overwhelming, you know, like I, I anticipated it, but like seeing it, it's just very moving. And so like, I, I feel a little emotionally drained and I feel a little like, I don't know if numb is the right word, but a little mm. bit like I can feel myself detaching. Cause like, it's probably like too many emotions to process if that makes sense. Right. Which yeah. is my MO that I always do that. <laughs> and then I'm like, I'm really tired and I feel like kind of dizzy. And then like two weeks later, I'm like, oh, I was like feeling big emotions, you know? Yeah, yeah. Totally get that. Because yeah, we're at this intersection all, of, yeah. yeah, but at least in your case, you know, we're, we're ending, closing a chapter, but then on the other side of that, 
you just hypothetically submitted a book proposal, which is an incredible accomplishment unto itself. And that's allegedly. so exciting. Allegedly. <laughs> if, no, if nothing happens from the book proposal, I'm going to pretend that I literally made that up. <laughs> no, I didn't. Uh, and it, it was wasn't a bit. rejected. It was a <laughs> it bit. Was a bit. <laughs> you know, when people like tweet about their screenplays on Twitter and then you never hear about it ever again. <laughs> it's yeah. like, ooh, I just submitted a pilot and then nothing. You, you I, I like, don't want to be one of those. That it was optioned. It was optioned. It was optioned. I don't even know what that yeah. means. It was optioned. It was optioned. They, they You sold the IP and it's up to them whether <laughs> they want to make it. It was optioned. It's like when you're unemployed, it's, life hack, just tell people you're freelance right now. Yeah, I'm freelancing some gigs. There will be they no other follow-up it. questions. I sold I sold it and then they shelved it. Does that sound believable? It got uh, shelved. No, because that, that shit's going to get made. Okay. But as a well, bit, thank you for they, that positive they shelved energy. it. They shelved it as a as bit. A bit. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. How, yeah. how about you, Brian? How are you feeling? Um... Overall, I would say pretty positive, uh, optimistic, but yeah, it's, um, you know, we announced to the public that uh, we're concluding this podcast on November 16th and, uh, you know, it was, a, it was in the works for a while, so I was pretty in a good place, content. Uh, I'm glad that we're ending it on our own terms, but you know, it's still very emotional. Uh, I feel a lot of gratitude to all of the people who tuned in and listened to this podcast for the last three years. Uh, there's been an outpouring of support and um, DMs from listeners um, expressing their appreciation for the podcast. And uh, I feel very, very touched by all of it, you know, um, mm -hmm. especially with a podcast where you're not necessarily engaging or interacting with the audience that uh, in the way that you do with stand-up. And so yeah. oftentimes it's hard to know, you know, it's hard to know if like you're making an impact. And mm. um, yeah, just, just the outpouring of support and uh, appreciation from our listeners is, it's a lot. I'm, I feel, I'm feeling a lot of gratitude and it's... Um, I don't know. I mean, what more can we really ask for out of all of this? Like we, we built mm -hmm. this thing and as artists, you want to create work that impacts people and moves people. And, uh, I can, I can say with a lot of confidence that we accomplished that as a side effect of that, you know, I knew that this was coming to an end. So I've been ramping up, um, just, you know, transitioning into channeling a lot of my creative energy into individual projects. So I've been writing a lot and, acting and it's 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 been really uh invigorating and yeah. uh overall yeah it's but although it does come with its challenges you know like because we built this thing and we had this outlet that we were doing together i felt like i could lean on you at times in terms of like shutting down the inner critic in my head because mm. it's like we have each other to be like no that's stupid don't listen to that inner critic like what we're doing yeah. is great and so I, I i've been reading this book that uh former guest jordan mendoza dear friend of the pod um recommended to me and long mm -hmm. story short it's just that i felt with my writing 
I've been procrastinating a lot or I like come up with excuses to not mm. do it in terms of like, mm -hmm. it's not the right time or let me just, uh, let me just gather my thoughts or like get into a good headspace. There's a lot going on. But he recommended this book called um, The War of Art. And mm. essentially it's, the, the biggest takeaway that I've gotten from it is that there is a universal force that every individual experiences. And the author, who is a screenwriter named Stephen Pressfield, labels it as mm -hmm. resistance. So whether mm -hmm. you're an entrepreneur, you're an artist, or it's just any pursuit in your life that you know is going to be for the betterment of your soul, it will mm -hmm. inherently there is inherently going to be an inner like a voice in your head that tells you it's not possible. And there's going to be resistance. Yeah. And oftentimes I felt that that voice, I personalized it a lot. So mm -hmm. I would be like, oh, well, it's true. Maybe I'm not as funny as other people or I'm not as talented. But the truth of the matter is it's merely just a universal. It's just a force that exists. It's ubiquitous. Like everyone feels It's that. like oxygen. Yeah. And so mm. I've found these last few weeks I've been more productive than ever in approaching mm. my creative practice in a way where it's like okay this is just a this is just a feeling that I'm coming up against but it only exists because I know that what I'm about to accomplish is going to be good for me in the net outcome so what can I mm -hmm. do today to kind of chip away at this resistive force and it's not a matter of like it being a personalized thing it's just like a job you know of like mm -hmm. what, what can i do today to push against it and not mm. personalizing it and it's been incredibly helpful so for anyone out sense. there you know who might experience some feelings of like procrastination or uh resistance in that way i highly recommend it but it's been overall great you know i'm really excited i'm really optimistic um i feel like i haven't had this sort of clarity of purpose with my personal practice in in a while and mm -hmm. um yeah overall that's just how i'm feeling <laughs> wait can you share some of the things that you do to combat that in your day-to-day -day? like if you're so you're saying like you know that feeling right when you're about to write something or create something that feeling in your head like yeah. pushing resisting against it everyone yeah, yeah. i feel like everyone knows exactly what you're talking about Ooh. right um, right and what are like, do you have like practices to do to combat that? Or are you just, yeah. Like, so you, yeah. honestly, like this book was written in the early 2000s and the author, I jokingly like he's a bit boomer-esque in his practices, but I think there is a lot of truth in it in terms of mm -hmm. it's, it's merely just about like, there's no other way to do it than to just fucking do it is what his right. thing is you Ooh. know like no amount yeah. of work no amount of like workshop creative workshops or this notion of like healing yourself or getting yourself into a right mental headspace like the the tough pill to swallow is that the best time is just purely now and everything else yeah. is just like procrastination packaged as like wellness and so for you it's just a matter of like there's no time frame. It's just get into a daily habit or ritual. Find one mm -hmm. like you're most productive. And I found that in, that's usually in the case for the mornings. And so it's just, okay, this these three hours, I'm logging off. I'm just going to uh, commit myself. And let's just see how much I can chip away. So in this case, it's like a, you know, it's like a screenwriting thing that I'm working on. 
So mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm trying not to like judge or evaluate it because that gets in the head, my, in my head of like, I'm too precious about my work. So it's just more, okay, let's just suck it up and do it and not judge yeah. it. And let's just try and mm-hmm. get as many words on the page and just yeah. pump it out. And then I can fix it at the end. But I, I find that I'm most productive in that way. I think f- it's more like a spiritual understanding that you're right, only, f- right, you're right. only feeling this because it's good for you. That's when like things that come easily are not good for the soul. And you know that that's why like drugs, like those, those things are just distractions that keep you away from like the higher calling. Like what is this thing that you, you're, you, you want so badly and yeah. It, yeah. So that it's, it may not be the answer you want to hear, but it's just purely, you got to just do it. Just do like, it. Just, just do you it. just have, you just have to power through it and, everyone experiences it and the people who just power through it better than others it's just Mm. like they just turn it out more can i just say one thing i agree with that because you know i've been writing a lot but i know i I really want to start talking to vanessa but i have to say i had to i had to struggle for years like not writing anything and not really expressing myself in that way um but i i had the session in therapy where Mm -hmm. we like got to the like got to the this trauma that I went through as like a teenager of yeah. where I like learned that I couldn't write or whatever because I had this like weird pedophile teacher Whoa. allegedly pedophile and like he was just like a weird old man he never did anything to me but like yeah, yeah. but he like just he like told me that I couldn't write basically because I was like a girl Ooh. and I was like pretty mm. and I'm a fucking slut or whatever and I, it was like traumatic in a way. And then I had this therapy session where we processed through that. And like literally the day after that, I started writing like every day. Oh, wow. And that was just a few months ago. And so, yeah. So, yeah, I totally, I think definitely, yeah, the only way to do it is just to fucking do it. Right. But there might be, a, there might be a mental health thing going on. And oh, like, for sure. If you're, if you're finding yourself, like I'm just saying, if you're a listener and you want to write something or you have a project that you really want to do and you just can't get yourself to do it. There might be an, some sort of thing that you haven't processed, like an internal voice telling you you can't. And it, it is right, worth right. it to explore that because I did and it literally cracked the door wide open. Yeah, absolutely. <sighs> like I'm not, this isn't a blanket process that yeah. works for everyone. I've just found yeah, that yeah. it's been helpful for me. So, but yeah, that's a, yeah. That, that's a great uh, thing to point out, young me. But also, yes, just just do it every day. I, I find it helpful. Like my one of my friends who's a writer says um, he just like schedules like 15 minutes. Like if I just yeah. write for 15 minutes today, that's fine. And right. so then every day he forces himself to at least do 15 minutes and it ends up, you know, being like two hours sometimes. But every day if he just writes for 15 minutes, he feels better about that. Right. Which is also, I think, right, great right. advice. Um. But yeah, enough about us. Vanessa, how are you feeling? Um, I'm feeling extremely grateful to be uh, sitting down with the two of you at this kind of uh, moment in both of your lives. I think, um, yeah, it's very special. Well, I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of a crossroads. We were trying to make this episode happen for a while. And I'm so yeah. glad that we finally are sitting and talking to you because I'm so fascinated by your 
um, your medium and your presence on social media and like, you know, the influencer thing and the blogging thing and the fact that you are an OG in it. So thank you so much for joining us. I'm really excited for this talk. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) So first and foremost, our listeners who may not be familiar with your work, Vanessa, highly recommend that you go uh, give her a follow on Instagram, check it out. But, uh, you know, I, I came across your work on Instagram and just from the photos and the stories, it really feels that a part of your job is just to like show off your curated looks. And uh, quite honestly, you're just a jet setting voice in fashion. And it's, you know, looking from my apartment in Brooklyn, it all seems like really glamorous and super fucking cool and amazing. And I'm curious, like, what are some of the not so lovely aspects that we may not be seeing from your social media? Yeah, so I think, uh, you know, for a lot of us on social media, you're really getting like the highlight reel of our lives because like no one really wants to see. I mean, maybe some people want to see like the messy parts of it, but when I, you know, when I started Instagram, I like had no clue like how to use the platform. And then um, slowly I realized I was like, okay, this is, do you guys hear that? There's like a truck outside. I just want to make sure that's not, you're not picking up on that. Oh, we hear it. But the engineer can, our, our wonderful sound okay. engineer, Ollie, can, can, <laughs> can take it out probably. Okay. All it's right. totally fine. Um, uh, so, so yeah, like it's like the highlight reel of your life. And I think a lot of people, they like, even my sister, you know, she's like, wow, like you're going to all these places. It must be so fun. And da, 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 da. I wish I could live your life. And yes, like there's, um, I'm immensely grateful for the life I get to live and like all the places I've been able to see. Um, but the work can be very lonely. You know, I'm mm. alone probably 95% of the time people think that we have like entire posses right with us. And Mm -hmm. it's not like I've, I have one person on my team who's in New York full time. And so we do everything remotely. And Mm -hmm. if I'm like in Milan, I'll have like maybe an assistant there for like fashion week. I have a full time person like when I'm in Paris, but Mm-hmm. a lot of my life I spend alone and and that's mm-hmm. like something I mean I'm okay with because I've always been very like solo and very independent um another I mean another part of it is like all of it is fabricated right like I have to say mm-hmm. for anyone who's listening like everything that you see like it's mm-hmm. 75% fake you know like in yeah. the sense that you know you see these amazing a lot of outfits that I wear um, are loaned, especially during fashion month, you know, like Mm. even people are like, Oh wow. You got like all this like cool shit. Like I'm like, yeah, like a lot of it, literally they're like runway samples, you know? So like everyone who goes to the show and is dressed for the show, they're wearing runway samples and runway samples. They use them for editorial, you know, they use it for celebrity dressing. So you don't get to keep that stuff. Um, okay. Yeah. There's like a lot of stuff behind the scenes that like a lot of people, don't know about um right so interesting but uh yeah there's like and also i think one of the quite like one thing um is that there's you know there's not a lot of people who look like me in the industry as well so that's like something i feel like another part of my job is having to to really like re-educate people on what Mm. an asian is like and Mm. um this used to exhaust me but now 
I, you know, I see it as like a privilege of mine um, to be able right. to do this job and, and also to have the vocabulary uh, to educate, you know, um, yeah. a lot of people who are really coming through with um, antiquated ideas of how Yikes. people like me operate or, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's something that I, you know, deal with in the industry and I'm like totally mm. fine with it. Uh, yeah. because right. yeah, I mean, I think we all kind Can, of, yeah, we all do. Can you give us an example of something like just cause I, I, I have an idea of what you're talking about. Like mm. I'm assuming you're talking about like maybe like, what are those called? Uh, microaggressions and things like that. Or, but just, can you give us an example of something you had to deal with recently? Um, if it's not too personal. Yeah, no. Okay. Wait, can I actually, I can bring something up that actually just happened to me three days ago. It wasn't, mm -hmm. I mean, it had something to do with my job, but it wasn't mm. in fashion. Mm. Um, so I was detained for three hours, um, at the, at the Montreal airport when I was coming yeah. through, um, yeah. because of the way that I looked and right. it was clearly racial profiling. And when mm. I was trying to explain to them what I did for a living, like they already had a narrative. They saw me mm. Asian woman, all of yeah. these nice things in her luggage. Oh, you went on a shopping spree in Paris and now you're bringing stuff back. And what the customs officers didn't understand. I'm like, this is my job, you know, like mm, I have yeah. nice things. These are the things, you know, like literally every single article, I was there for three hours, two grown men picking through like literally everything in my luggage and would like, look at my LV wallet and be like, Oh, you must've bought this in Paris recently. I'm like, yo, I've mm. had that. Like Louis Vuitton gave that wallet to me like a year ago. I didn't get this on this trip and I don't even right. live in Canada anymore, but kind of that is, is really, um, it's, it's an example of how people have narratives of how yeah. people like us operate mm -hmm. in this world and they can be microaggressions and it can be literal. You know, I can go into a showroom and someone will be like, wow, your English is really good. And people right. are shocked. They're like, does that still happen? I'm like, yes, it happens more than you think it time. would. Or yeah. when I was in, you know, when I was in Milan and I had like, um, like a young, pretty white Italian assistant and people would, they would beeline and go straight to her and talk to her and right. not address me. And I'm like, yo, like I'm the star. You should be coming to me. Like you shouldn't be going yeah. to my assistant here and talking to her. Um, yeah. and I think like, I think especially after 2020, like I literally mm -hmm. gave no fucks about yeah, yeah. really mm -hmm. standing my ground and really being present and mm -hmm. addressing it in the spot. Yeah. Because I'm like it's that like, too. Right? Now. Yeah. I've, I've changed like that. Can I just point out that, you know, this is the thing, like, I feel like people will be like, oh yeah, like oh, Vanessa has like so many nice luxury handbags. So she got detained like, oh, a poor little rich girl kind of like in their heads. But mm -hmm. I think it's important for you to talk about this because the fact of the matter is that as Asian people, there is no way to overcome this very 
like disgusting thing that we face like even in this world if you become a successful like influencer artist and you achieve the fame and the wealth that people say will like free you from being from being harmed by this racist shit you're never free from it and and i think it's very important to point out that like we shouldn't like roll our eyes at oh yeah you have like so many luxury things like that's (laughs) fucking that's like dehumanizing it's like how many like that doesn't happen to fucking rich white people and like how hard do we have to work what do we have to do for us to not be treated like shit and it's important to say that like yeah my assistant like i work so hard to become this person and my assistant is getting treated well just because of her race that's fucked up and like Mm. and i think a lot of i just want to say that because i know a lot i hate it when people say stuff like oh you're complaining about being rich or whatever that's not what it's about at all it's it's the fact that there's no way to break the ceiling do you know what i mean there's no way to like get rich enough that you're free of it do you know what i mean yeah and i kind of want to i also like i i definitely know where like maybe some of these people may be coming from because i'm very aware and sensitive and empathic towards like what people how people may construe things because right um there's because I don't ever want any of my content to trigger people and I don't want people mm-hmm. to maybe misread things. And, you know, if anyone does say, oh, you know, like you're complaining about this or that, or um, it's, I think it's very reductive. You know, I think people are so yeah. impulsive yeah. to like judge mm-hmm. situations without really yeah. getting the full context of things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like at the end of the day, I'm like, I'll be fully like transparent with you both. Like I'm not like a richie rich, you know what I mean? Like right, right. my parents when I was growing up were like upper middle class, but right, I right. was in an abusive household for like all of my life. When my parents separated, my mom mm-hmm. went bankrupt and my, I don't even know where the fuck my dad is right now. So like every, mm. and it, that kind of goes back Who'd, to the beginning yeah. of the conversation. When I say I have no yeah. backup plan, I have no backup plan, right? Like Mm -hmm. I don't have parents I can go to. I don't really have extended family um, because Mm -hmm. when I chose this career, a lot of my extended family um, were like, they were like, oh yeah, sure. Like go and try and do that. You know, like give up this lucrative um, potential biomedical career and like become this fashion person. Mm -hmm. So, and and again, like the, the bigger thing at the end of the day, like something... Um, there was a trespass, right. That happened. Like when those Mm -hmm. officers saw me and even when I was fully cooperating, um, they continued Mm -hmm. to intimidate me, to harass me and accuse me of lying. And I think if I didn't have the awareness of my rights and the awareness Mm -hmm. of what they were doing, you know, and, and the crazy thing was one of the officers was Chinese. So I'm like, Mm. yo, this is internalized racism in motion right Mm. like this guy (sighs) in his head i was like i literally was like looking i was like bro like (laughs) bro the call is coming from inside the house oh my god not this again i was like yo you're doing us dirty out here like why are you why are you coming for me I just feel Mm. like it's very brave of you to have an honest discussion like this because you know they're obviously you know from the point of view like there are like um, different levels of privileges that Asians have. East Asians have a lot of privilege. There's, you know, class privilege. We're not like trying to say that this is a more difficult situation than other Asians face, but it's like the fact of the, the thing that's like, 
needs to be discussed is that yeah there's like you know there's like class politics and whatever whatever but like at the end of the day um every one of us goes through this and like there there should be solidarity in that and you know and there there is room for like a nuanced discussion and there's room for people to discuss like the humiliation of having been detained f- because of your race like that 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 harms everybody you know it doesn't matter how yeah. many fucking louis vuitton wallets you have right so yeah i'm, I'm really glad that you brought that up and I'm sorry that that happened to you. Yeah, that's fucking terrible. Let's go find them and beat them. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to see them <laughs> on air that I'm going to beat up airport people. <laughs> that's a joke. I feel like the fashion industry has changed dramatically over the past, let's say, decade or so. Um, I think a younger base of consumers are very vocal about just their demands of fashion houses and fast fashion brands to be more eco-friendly and socially conscious i i see it on tiktok i see it on the streets i think people are embracing you know secondhand vintage thrift whatever you want to call it um i guess my question for you is how have you grappled with this as someone whose work indirectly promotes a lifestyle of consumerism because you're helping brands tell stories you know yeah no trust me i um i think like about four or five years ago I kind of had this like moment where I was like, fuck it, I'm done. Like, I am just going to go be a yoga teacher because I mean, I've been practicing yoga. I've had a spiritual, like a very strong spiritual practice for 10 years now. And like four or five years ago, I was just like, fuck this. Like, I'm so done. Like I'm burnt out working in this industry. Um, We are peddling, right? Uh, It's capitalism to the max. And Um, there's so much waste and yes, like the environmental impact of working in fashion. And actually, you know, oddly enough, it was during 2020, it was during the pandemic that I really, uh, came face to face, right. With this struggle that I've had working in the industry for as long as I've had. And I realized that, you know, this is the vocation that I've chosen. And I think, if I can make as responsible of choices as I can, um, mm. I feel I feel okay about it at the end of the day. And I'm like, mm. I'm not working. I'm not working with the Sheans of the world. I'm not working. I mean, like I did just do a campaign with H and M, but I, you know, I completely see the duality um, of trying to be a responsible person and like working in an industry that is, you know, super capitalistic, really bad for the environment. Mm -hmm. And something else that, you know, another download that I got during 2020 was that, you know, fashion is a really powerful vehicle to tell stories. And I'm not just saying that like in a really fluffy way, but it's one of like the universal languages, right? Like whether you speak English, Japanese, Korean, like two, three of us can look at a garment and we're all going to react to it in a certain way. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. because it is a way to communicate. And I see, I really, I, I kind of see similarities between music and between art. You know, you can listen to a piece of music and you can feel a certain way about it. Or, you know, you can walk into a gallery and you can see a piece of art and one person could be confused by it and another person can be really inspired by it. And, you mm-hmm. know, like for me, I've been, you know, I've been dressing myself since I was two and mm-hmm. fashion and clothing has always been a way to express myself and 
Um, I've had so many like young, younger Asians who come up to me and been like, you know, I, I worked, you know, I started working in fashion because of you. It's always been my dream. Mm -hmm. And I never saw anyone who looked like me working in this industry. And I think that's something else that, uh, I never thought of before until a mentor Mm -hmm. of mine told me, you know, it's like, you shouldn't leave this industry because, you know, there's not a lot of people who look like us here and who Mm. have the ability to communicate um, to the masses in Mm. the way that that you do. So it is, I mean, it's an existential crisis that it's an ongoing one that I have. Right. I feel like, I just feel like I have such a hard time, um, you know, like it's like such a, such a fine line for me it's something that i grapple with too because i i participate in so many very harmful things you know i've promoted things that were probably not that great because i needed to make money um and and it's just like obviously i don't have the level of like fame and reach that you have so so i can't i just feel like i can't sit here and like judge anybody for doing anything because i don't know how i would react in that situation that's like always been like my motto and like how i approach situations like i don't know what that feels like so i'm not gonna like judge people also i have a really big problem with people who like say these things and judge other people because i feel that way about them i'm like they don't know how they would react in that scenario so we don't know who who they are it's just that you're you're approaching this person that's very visible online because we know you know we know that you do a certain type of work but who are you this like anonymous person whoever would say something you know right it's like i don't know i think also like on a broader scale again Mm -hmm. it kind of goes back to how the culture now is just so fast to judge and like reduce before really looking at the 360 picture. Right. So for instance, yes, like I work in an industry that's like, that has a lot of negatives in it. Right. But a lot of people participate in their lives on the daily in very negative things, you know, for instance, like if you continue, if you eat meat on this planet, I mean, if we really look at big, big picture, like what is, who is deforesting um, these rainforests, like who is actually um, eating up like all the resources like of the planet. I mean, that's like another thing, but I'm never going to judge like, like I don't eat meat anymore, but I'm not going to judge someone because they eat meat. Because again, like this is, I think again, like there's just a sense of like, oh, it's like me versus you. Like this is your bad Mm. for doing this. And oh, you don't recycle. So like you're a bad person. And I think when you really look at like the capitalist complex, we're 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 tiny specks, right? In the in in it. Like we shouldn't be putting blame on each other. We should be looking at the Bezos of the world who are creating these complexes and creating these capitalist mm. systems wherein we feel that like we, you know, we just need to keep on consuming um, and, and buying and, and, yeah. and all of these things. Right. So right. I really look at it from like a holistic the whole, kind of the point big, of view. And I'm not deflecting because I take full responsibility for the choices that I make and, you know, the mm-hmm. brands that I work with. But I also feel like we live in a culture of reductionism and people totally. getting like quick facts, you know, like as a person yeah. that I'm like traditionally educated, like long form in university, it's like now a lot of people, you know, they come to me 
And they're like, oh yeah, I know all these things about health and wellness because I learned about it on TikTok. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, yo, do not come to me and try to talk to me about what a protein is. You know, it's like you don't even understand what, like, you know, the number of people who are trying to tell me like about health and wellness. I'm like, you don't, you don't know shit about shit because you went on TikTok <laughs> and you're trying yeah. to teach me like someone who's been, you know, quote unquote, like trained to potentially become right, a doctor. Right. Um, all of these things and, and like in a bigger scope, like a lot of people think they know a lot of stuff about a lot of stuff when they don't. Mm. And that's why I always approach, um, people and situations with openness and objectivity because I always walk into situations being like, I don't know. Yeah. I just, I'm so interested by the psych, I feel like this is such a huge issue, but I'm so fascinated by like the psychology of all of it. Like, the fact of the matter is like we're in this like late stage capitalistic society and it's basically out of all of our control right like it doesn't really matter if you do a h&m ad or or not it doesn't even mm-hmm. matter at this point and it's like yes i understand people are like we have to fix this we have to fix this and that and i'm like the fucking wheels are popping off bitch i'm getting my fucking check on my way out i don't give a fuck you know that i don't mean that but i kind of mean that <laughs> do you know what i mean it's like like what i don't know what what are we supposed to fucking do at this point live in a fucking mud hut i don't know like i'm so it's so it's so far beyond our anyone's control it's like and then for somebody to like sit here and fucking say like complain about i I don't even know i have no answers none of us have the answers you know no we don't i don't think we're touting that we do i think on an individual level everyone has i'm just so sick of people that are being judgmental about it for ethical consumption but yeah (sighs) to your your point vanessa i think uh we do live in a reductionist uh society now and it's incredibly harmful and truly we don't ever get the full story of anyone's existence you know just to use like the 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 recently like the, the the wave of attacks on asian americans like a common Twitter discourse or online discourse is like silence is complacency, which that kind of rubbed me the wrong way because the truth of it is like, Some, no, it's yeah. not. You don't really know mm. what people are doing. Like, yeah, people just you don't have to be so vocal. People can enact change <laughs> in like people can enact change in science, but they just choose to not publicize it. And but we're only receiving like everything's just unidirectional in this online era. Yeah. And you know young me like you pointed out i on a day-to-day i make to a different person i I constantly make ethical uh compromises but at the end of the day it's just like okay what can i do to offset that i'm trying my best to be a good person so (sighs) i should only lend that level of empathy for another person because i don't really know the full story of that person's existence yeah and that's a good point we don't know nobody knows the full story of vanessa's existence like vanessa said it's like a very you know it's a it's a very curated little window that you're seeing into it and so we like people who feel like they can like judge that whole thing and think it's the whole picture but brian i love that point that you just made about the silence's complicit complicity or whatever because uh, one of my friends was very traumatized obviously she's asian by the whole anti-asian stuff and she couldn't say stuff openly because she's very traumatized and like she couldn't post stuff and and she was talking about how she saw people saying that and then she felt bad and then that like triggered her more you don't Mm. know what people you don't know people are not just like yeah like they're not just like uh everything that you see on social media that's not the entire person and you don't know what's going on yeah 
Yeah. Well, kind of going back to what I was saying earlier, like everything you see on social media is fake, right? Like we have to be very, like, obviously the person who's there in the photo, like that's them and whatnot. But like having been in this industry for so long and like knowing like friends of mine who are like hyper, huge, huge, like Hollywood celebrities and they're like showing off their best lives. But then like that, me knowing like that same day, they're like maybe going through a divorce or like they're going through a separation. All Mm -hmm. of it is fake because, um, also like, that's what people sign up for a lot of the time. Like, yeah, they want to like see what, um, influencers like celebrities are doing, but, um, it is a curated, like Instagram was built on curation. Do you know what I mean? It's like the platform, like when it first came out was just like the highlight reel of your life. And it's a continuation of that. And I think a lot of people just really need to like understand on a cellular level. None of this is real. Yeah. Yeah. That's That's a a great point. point. Well, if we want to get (laughs) really real, Vanessa, what do you think the fashion industry still needs to work on to reach more equity and representation for Asians in the industry. So much. So, 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 so much. Um, I think a lot of people, like, obviously there have been gains, right? For, For any kind of like, for POCs in the industry, because 2020 was definitely like, it was um, an inflection point where we started, um, we had the vocabulary to finally uh, describe a lot of these situations that we're all in. But, you know, at the end of the day, until there are people who look like us, right, with seats at the table, not just one of us, not just like the token two of us, nothing is going to change. Mm. And I think, you know, I, I have this conversation with um, Asian designer friends of mine where a lot of them struggle to get funding because mm. a lot of, you know, these organizations, they still see, they see us, they see Asians uh, generally as, oh, well, you know, you guys, you guys have kind of like transcended, right? Like the mm-hmm. the whole racism thing. Like you guys are doing well because they have these yeah. ideas that, oh, you're like, you're more educated, you know, yeah. um, you're upper, like you're economically mobile and this and that. And I just, you know, I just had a friend um, during the last CFDA funding, um, uh, like, yeah, during the CFDA funding where she was like, really, it was like her fifth year of applying for funding mm-hmm. and her fifth year of being turned down, even though she had like three, like, really incredible references like the biggest like asian fashion designer names um in Mm. fashion and you know her and i were texting and she was like i'm so angry this is like the third year that they're doing this i mean Mm -hmm. sorry the fifth year and then she actually had a friend internally tell her babes like you're not going to get funding this year because they're only focusing on black and brown designers like this year they're all they're not you know they're not Mm. looking like they're not looking um, at funding Asian designers. Mm. And so these are like the things that continue to go on um, in, in the workplace, like in fashion and as, as perform, I mean, performance wise, like, sure. You might see like more, you might see more Asian faces on the runway. You might see um, maybe more Asian faces like in campaigns and whatnot, but 
Yeah. That's very superficial, right? Mm. Like that is very superficial. And although, yeah, that, that definitely has impact for like young people reading magazines or like, you know, exposed to, you know, ads and whatnot and, and seeing their likeness. But mm-hmm. when it comes to looking internally at offices, yeah, I want, yeah. like, we should really be seeing like how many people like who look like us are actually not just like assistant designers, not just like, you know, people that they keep in the back, but people who are at the front, who are like the right. faces um, yeah. of like at sea level. And I guarantee right. you, most of these sea level positions are still held by white cis hetero men. Yep. Can I just say something about the black and brown thing pitted against Asian thing? Because I think a lot of people will a lot of asian people will turn that against other um, marginalized communities like black and brown communities but the truth is the fact that the white people in charge made a quota and there is one little cup right and the cup can only be filled with either black brown or asian people and the white people get to decide who gets to go in that cup that's that's the white people doing that that's not like us struggling to fight each other they've decided that there's only one seat and this year it's going to be yours and next year it's going to be theirs and then they make us fight with each other over the one fucking seat meanwhile they have 300 seats for themselves and then that creates this tension among marginalized communities that's really fucked up because like we all should have multiple seats there too and I just wanted to say that because I know that a lot of I, I know that a lot of um, Asian communities look at things like that and then they turn that against, you know, racism against other marginalized groups, which I think is very, very harmful and really, really dumb when we should be just looking at the people in charge. Yeah, no, 100, 100 percent. And yeah. I think, you know, also um, like the tokenism as well in the industry, yeah. right, where it's like. Um, something that really like something that happens to me very commonly is I get like misidentified. I get misidentified for, for like other Asians, like in fashion. Mm. So like during like fashion month, like when one of my friends, um, Tina Lung was still like a white blonde, people would constantly like be like, Tina, Tina to me, can we take a photo of you? And I would be like, right, right. (laughs) They like knew your assistant's name. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, right. I'm like, like, there's- literally, literally, there's only a small, like handful yeah. of us. And yeah. my friend and I who you miss, you know, who you misidentified me with, like, we have entirely different styles. And we look entirely different, like different, yeah. you know, phenotypically. Right, right. Right. And this is, it just like something small like that is really um, expressive of what is happening at large in the industry. Mm-hmm. And that's mm. why I'm not being pessimistic, but I'm also going to be very, um, I'm going to be very honest with you in that like there have been changes superficially, but in terms of power, uh, I don't, mm. I don't think there've been any changes like at all. I agree with you. Interesting. 100%. Yeah. In every industry. You know, what prompted this question was more based on your personal experiences and I guess I was wrongly assumed that compared to other industries, I felt that fashion was just more equitable towards Asians because I see more Asian models mm. these days. If you look at the global GDP, it's undeniable that China, Japan, India, I think a lot of fashion houses are 
trying to cater more towards those demographics because mm -hmm. if you look on the streets, they're just spending more on fashion and it serves mm -hmm. their businesses better. But um, yeah, I mean, you obviously have a great, far greater understanding of the inner workings and uh, at the C-suite level, I, it doesn't surprise me that there are very few um, Asian representatives at that level. Yeah, and like one of—I uh, mean, one of my friends once said that, I mean, which is really true and like really sad—is that they want our money, but they don't want us. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. And you can say mm. that. You can say that about Hollywood as well. It's like where yep. they want like all the fun things that we bring to the table, but they don't want us. And right. um, I mean, I don't know if it's—I don't know if it's going to change anytime soon. But yeah, it is. It's kind of like a gross thing to bring up, you know, especially after twenty twenty. Like. You know, you'd be like, you'd be thinking, oh, like these brands got the memo, but I think they were no. trying to do like they were trying to be good, like good mm. and behave for maybe like six months. And, and now it's like <laughs> everything is back is everything's back to business. You know, it's like 2020 yeah. who like what happened? It's important to hear that even when you're at the top of your game, these are hardships that we all share. And it's like, honestly, it's so fucking upsetting. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's upsetting that like. Because I think that this is what really makes me sad. I feel like a lot of, you know, like the model minority myth and the Asian people that live in America, they're, they're, they're sold this lie that, you know, just work hard enough and we will respect you. And the yeah. truth is, no. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Never. No, that's 100% not true. It doesn't matter how many fucking goddamn Chanel purses you have. They will never fucking respect you. Yeah. And, and then and it makes me feel like, well, then fuck all of you then. Fuck you. You know, that makes me like feel like that, which is also a, a, a symptom of living through 2020, which I think you were saying you were feeling. Fuck it yeah. all. I'm going to fucking yeah. call you racist to your face, you know? Yeah. And I think I think yeah. um, I think a lot of us just like need to, I mean, not everyone feels comfortable doing it. And like for a long yeah. time I was, I like my mentality was more so like, you know, this, like this, like whack-ass white person, like they don't even deserve my energy. But now yeah. like my thinking is like, I'm going to save like the next Asian girl that you're going to like go up to who might not mm. have like the vocabulary or like might not yeah. have the awareness to like put you in your spot and to educate mm. you. So now like whenever someone comes up to me and they try to say something, I mean, um, I just, I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to re-educate this person because like you're embarrassing <laughs> yourself right now. And um, yeah, yeah. So like, yeah, I feel very much the is. same way. I yeah. feel the same way. I feel like, you know, like just doing this podcast and, you know, I talked about this last week, but like all the Asian women that reach out to me and they feel powerless in these situations. And I'm like, mm. you know what? I'll fucking do it. I love yelling at fucking white people. I'll fucking mm. do it. I don't give a shit. Wait, what's yeah. your what's your zodiac sign? Oh, I'm an Aries. Yes, I knew no. it. <laughs> Fuck yes. I knew Are it. Are you an Aries? I'm a Sagittarius. No, I'm a Sagittarius. Yo, I'm, a, yeah, yeah. I'm an Aries. That's why we have that fire fucking no, fire we do. power. We don't give yeah. a fuck. We love being we angry do. and yelling at people. It's, Wait, it's what is your hobby. what is your rising? I'm a Sagittarius. My rising is Cancer, surprisingly, oh. and my moon is Gemini. My moon's in Gemini, too. My rising nice. is in Libra, so I'm, like, very balanced. Like, a lot Ooh. of people are like, oh, you're so mm. zen. You're so... Because Libras get along That's with very everybody. Libra. We're, like, yeah, yeah. very right. balanced. 
But I'm like, if you fuck with me, like the Aries yeah. will come out. I'm gonna fucking and, you. <laughs> yeah, I mean we're yeah, we're ruled by Mars, which is like literally the planet of anger and rage. So yes. <laughs> like we love getting <laughs> angry. <laughs> so I can I tell you a really funny story about my son really quick? Cause yeah. I was like, he told me that he was with his dad. His dad's like very mellow and he like mm. never confronts people. But like once this old guy told he yelled at me and he was like you're a fucking idiot because Mino was like scooting on the street and I was like and I said something horrible to him and um and then and then my son was like oh when I'm with my he was with his dad and some old woman yelled at him on the street and she was like get the fuck off the sidewalk or something like that because she was riding her bicycle on the street and I was like well what did dad do and he was like nothing and I was like you should have called me. I would have fucking screamed at her. Like I, <laughs> I'm like I was like filled with a rage. I was like I was like you know, mommy loves yelling at people. And yeah, he was like he was like I wish you were there, mom. And I was like yeah, it's like my <laughs> hobby. Jump on That's like so jump good. on one of those revels and just like get go just find give, her. Give me your pin location and I'm gonna come and fuck up that lady. <laughs> yeah, but I'm glad that you said that because I feel like I feel very much the same way. Like yes, I have this personality trait. Where I love screaming at people, but I can harness it and use it to help other people who might not have the emotional strength because yeah. it's very emotional when you're confronted with racism, even if it's casual racism, it's hurtful yeah. and it's scary. And, and so like, I will, I will do it for, I will do it for them. And I, and I, yeah. and I like how you put it, like you're doing it for the community. Yeah. I will fucking, I will scream at those idiots for you. Well, you're noble, young me. I like to get angry because I'm just at my core an angry person. I do it for myself, motherfucker. <laughs> but Vanessa, you know, thanks so much for uh, just being fucking real with us. You know, I know yeah. we had we hit you with some some tough questions on this pod, but I appreciate your honesty and your forthrightness. Um, but as you know, you know the yeah. drill. We like to leave all of our guests with this one last question, and that is, what's something you're proud of? Hmm. Something I'm proud. I'm proud that I've I've done this career. You know, that was initially a dream of mine, and I've done it on my terms, and I've done it on my own. And mm -hmm. I remember very early on, um, I kind of had like. Yeah, I had someone who was kind of working with me and we like like had started a business, like an online store together while I was like still blogging back in the day. And we kind of like separated our, our business relationship in a really traumatic way. And I remember one of the last mm. things he ever told me was, um, oh, you're never going to succeed without me because you don't have the motivation. Oh. Wow. And I'm like, oh. and I remember and I'm like, I have no hard feelings against him, but I just remember being like, oh yeah, like you think that <laughs> I'm at like a high level now, just like wait. And oh my God, I, I remember, this. yeah, it was like a really, it was a really difficult time in my life, but I, I've really been able to, you know, harness a lot of these difficult moments um, to move forward and to funnel them into projects, um, passion projects of mine. So really mm. like, you know, I mean, as fellow Aries, you probably appreciate like just being able to live your life on your terms. Um, yeah. It's been, I think, like the most important, important thing um, for me. And, and that's something I'm really proud of. 
Don't tell an Aries that because they will that's succeed the out of rage yeah. and revenge. Yes, that's the he, he inadvertently gave birth. He gave you the spite and the motivation. Be like, literally, motherfucker. Literally, literally, I was like, bitch, you just said the wrong thing because you're going to see me blow up now and you're going to regret the day you met me and said these words. Damn. Let's go. I love that. I love that. Doing shit out of spite. Yeah. Wrong person <laughs> to say that too. I feel right? like a lot of, I feel like if you like date men, a lot of men, when you break up, will say something like that. Like, Ugh. I mean, I know this was like, I know that was a professional relationship, but they'll be like, right. no one's going to, you're never going to find anyone as good as me or something. I'm like, damn, all the losers that said that to me, they were very wrong. That's all I'm going right? to say. Damn. Right? What the fuck? If it, if if anyone that you're dating ever says that to you, leave immediately because that's a that's a red flag that they are a loser. That's a huge red flag. Yeah. <laughs> um, for our listeners, where can they find you online, and what do you have cooking up? Any exciting projects coming up? So, uh, everyone can find me online at Instagram at Vanessa Hong and projects I'm working on. Well, my number one project right now is getting my ass to Paris. So moving to Paris in January. And um, I'm also working on getting my podcast back up. um, And I want to do some more like long form stuff. I mean, back in the Mm. day when like when you would read stuff on like WordPress or I don't even remember like all those platforms back then. Like I remember I used to wear like write paragraphs and stuff about like style or about my life Mm. and Mm. I think there's like um almost kind of like a reaction to all of this short like short form now I think a lot of people are kind of seeking something a little more um yeah like something that's like longer something that's like meatier I guess Mm. so I'm Mm -hmm. trying to develop something right now that's focusing on more long form versus just like like short form stuff amazing that's so you're you're not going to be on TikTok anytime soon then. You know what? Like I have TikTok, but like <laughs> I don't know how to use it. And I feel, and I, you know, like while you were talking about, um, what was it? The war of art, like where you just kind of mm-hmm. have to go and do things. Like I'm yeah. very precious about like my energy and my ideas as well. And um, someone mm-hmm. once like told me, no, I think I like read it like in a self-help book, but you know, when you like, have these ideas and you like you're like oh i have such an amazing idea and you're like so you have a cloud of ideas here like the author had said that if you don't activate or mobilize those ideas like someone else is going to do it right like Mm. things like ideas are not just things like they're not like they're actual things right just because it's not tangible Mm. doesn't mean it's not a real thing and when you you have these ideas um whatever they be and you don't mobilize on it, like someone else is going to take it. And right. I mean, I see that happen all the time where like I see someone do something like, fuck, like I had that idea. Like how did yeah. they have the same idea as me, but now they're doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's, that's it. Just go to act, act now and act out of yes. rage. <laughs> yeah. That's the big t- key takeaways. I love that. <laughs> and be mobilized by rage and vengeance. Yes. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> That's the title of this episode. We got it. <laughs> yeah. Mission accomplished, folks. Act now. <laughs> act now. Act out of rage. Um and uh for our listeners, where can they find you online, Young Me? Um, YM Mayor or Young Me Mayor on TikTok. How about you, Brian? 
Uh, you can follow me online at It's Brian Park. And, and follow our Feeling Asian podcast page. We're going to shit. Before... Well, I guess we can just shit post and promote our personal projects on it. Yes. So don't don't leave. <laughs> yeah, to keep up yeah, on information of, of what Brian and I are doing, we'll, we'll keep it up. We got another month. Let's Let's finish strong, everyone. Woo. All right. Bye. Well, thank you again, Vanessa. Listeners, thank, thank you. you. And uh, we'll see you all here next week. Bye, everyone.